Good morning, everyone. So, before I begin, I, uh, I ask you to pray with me. It's going to be a paraphrase of the words of the psalmist. Father God, may the thoughts you have put in my heart and mind come out of my mouth in a way that pleases you and draws us all closer to you, to your glory. Amen. Amen. So, it's a big day today. Preparations are in place because we're going to have a mission market after the service. And those who pay attention to such things will notice that the hangings have been changed to green because this is the beginning of the first of a long series of Sundays after Trinity Sunday, which is also known as Ordinary Time, which takes us up all the way through Advent. Just a little bit of kind of liturgical stuff happening. The teenagers have shared and we've heard uh, a lot and that's been very exciting, especially for my old ears. Um, the great story about their adventures last week. And last but not least, we have had an exciting reading from the gospel. So I'd like to share a reflection on this gospel passage, more or less sharing with you what God put into my heart about my own life. And I hope that at least someone else out here is encouraged by it. But before I begin, just a little background to the gospel story. The area referred to as Gerasenes was located in a culturally non-Jewish area. We know that under, for many reasons, but also simply because that they, they were pigs being tended. You wouldn't find that in a Jewish area. So it was, the people were more Greek than Jewish. And I'd also, I wonder if any of you heard an echo of the Isaiah passage, because the man who was healed by Jesus was someone who was almost literally like those people. He was someone in a nation who, that does not call on God's name, someone following his own devices, and someone sitting inside graves or tombs. So what's interesting about the Isaiah passage, that at some point it talks about God's coming judgment on those who disobey, and yet in the gospel passage, what we show is the grace of God in Jesus simply dealing with the issue, which was in this case, delivering a man from demonic possession. And one of the results of this deliverance was that the essence of mission happened. The story was told. The men watching the pigs went back and told everyone what had happened. And so when the people came out, they were able to see for themselves the result of the man being changed and healed by Jesus. Namely, that he was sitting, clothed, and in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. And at the end, the man is instructed to by Jesus to go back and tell everyone what God has done for him. That's mission. But for me, reading the story, it was the words <coughs> sitting in his right mind that really jumped out at me. Because I recognize that I can be out of my mind sometimes with emotion. And maybe you can recognize that too. We can be out of our mind with grief, out of our mind with anger, 
out of our mind with worry or resentment, or maybe because of pain, either physical, mental, emotional. And when we are in that place, Jesus steps out of the boat and comes to meet us. And when he, he does, I want you to remind you that how we first meet Jesus doesn't necessarily matter. In the case of this demoniac, the unclean spirits prevented him from being welcoming and saying, oh, Jesus, thank heavens you've come. No, he was like, what do you have to do with us? But Jesus healed him anyways. For myself, I'm really grateful knowing that I do not have to always be nice in order for Jesus to come and, and heal me. I just need to turn towards him and approach him. Now, okay, even at my worst, I generally don't sit around a tomb and I keep my clothes on and I probably wouldn't be able to break out of any chains. And I guess that is true for most of us, probably all of us. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't need to be delivered. We might be bound by a spirit of unforgiveness that drives us away from the people who have offended or hurt us, maybe drives us away from others as well. Or maybe we have a spirit of jealousy which makes it hard for us to be with others, especially when we feel like they're doing better than we are. Or maybe we're afraid of certain situations and so we isolate ourselves. Maybe we have been wounded by interactions with others and again, we find it safer to be alone than to come close to others risking more pain. Maybe we have an addiction to pornography, to drugs, or perhaps like me, yes, God spoke to me, addicted to playing computer games on our phones, or maybe eating too many caramels. And many of these addictions we do in secret. We lock ourselves away from others so that nobody else sees us. Do you hear this common thread? When we have issues, whatever they are, it causes us to want to be alone. But brothers and sisters, I I'm here to tell you that Jesus doesn't want to leave us alone in whatever metaphorical cave or tomb we may feel we are locked up in. It is God's desire that we all be set free to be part of a community. Now, when Jesus walked the earth, he often set people free in an instant. And I've read stories about people, and I've seen people delivered in an instant, but more often, I see the slow, steady working of the grace of God in people's lives and transformation in their lives when they open themselves to be healed from whatever is holding them back from living in the fullness of life that Christ calls us to. Because when we are healed and changed and back in our right minds, then we have a story to tell and mission can happen. And it's important to embrace this healing that can come only from God because frankly, it is only Jesus in our midst which makes us any different from any other human club out there. 
Without Jesus as our resurrected Savior enthroned in our lives and in our church, we are just a cozy club meeting on a Sunday morning and filling up an hour or so of time. But we declared last week that we are more than that. We are the body of Christ. We are gathered to worship God, to get to know Jesus better, and to hear the words that the Holy Spirit has for us. Now, the teens shared, and I was grateful that Karen actually said what was in my mind, how amazing it was to be in such a huge congregation of people praising, all praising God together. And I hope that they're really able to hold that in their heart because that doesn't happen that often in the Netherlands. Those of us who have been here in the Netherlands for a while know that in businesses, in schools, in the marketplace, People either haven't really heard about Jesus, or they have forgotten what they once knew, or they have just rejected the whole idea of God because, well, it's irrelevant because they're believers only in science, and God doesn't really exist anyways, right? And, hmm, to think back to that Isaiah reading, you could say that the Netherlands is a nation that does not call on God's name, even though he holds his hands out all day long. Now. Many of you know that my husband is a believer in science, and he does not believe in God. It is a remarkable blessing that he supports me being here on Sunday mornings, which is how I know that God is somehow, in some way, at work in his life. But I remember the early years of our marriage before I actually came to know Jesus as my savior, and he talked about what it was like growing up in Veenendaal, a city north above the rivers in the Protestant area of the Netherlands, there were five churches within walking distance of his house. And yet, sometime in the late 60s, early 70s, his parents decided to stop going to church because of the hypocrisy. It was the idea that there were all of these rules that had to be followed to be a good Christian, and the churches were really glad to tell everybody about what those rules were, but the people themselves acted just like everyone else the rest of the time. Maybe they acted more like a closey club that, who was filling an hour on a Sunday morning than rather, rather than being actually transformed by the grace of God through Jesus. It's like the church back then had forgotten what we heard this morning in the letter to the Galatians, that we are no longer to be imprisoned and guarded by the law, but we have now been justified by faith and that we are recipients of the grace of God through Jesus. But people who aren't part of the church don't know this. They only know that they don't go because their parents or grandparents stopped going because of the hypocrisy. I won't bore you with the statistics, but only about 10% of the people in the Netherlands are active participants in any community of faith. If I look around this area on a Sunday morning, I think there might be fewer than that now. That last study was from 2019. And frankly, it is easier not to be faithful. We find it easy to assimilate to the world around us, to follow our own devices, Convincing ourselves that whatever particular, our particular problem area of sin or mood issues or whatever is, we are at least not so bad as others. 
We all have our pet sins, although generally we call them bad habits, like my habit of being on my phone too much or my habit of eating caramels when no one else is looking. It, and I do these things instead of actually taking care of my household, which is what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> but we continue in them because we decided they're, they're actually not so bad. And we justify ourselves, forgetting that it is only through Jesus, his death, and his resurrection that we are justified. So yes, today we will be holding a mission market to raise funds to be sending to our mission partners. And soon we'll have a new pastor. And it will be time for us to look towards the mission that we are called to. And, but honestly, before we can go out to share Christ, we need to make sure that we let him in. We must let him into all parts of our lives and open ourselves to be healed from whatever it is that is oppressing us, whether we're bound by an addiction to food, to the internet, to pornography, whether we're refusing to forgive someone, whether we've allowed anger and resentment to become our defining emotion, whether we've been so wounded in the past that we are isolating ourselves. Let's embrace Jesus and open our lives to him for healing so that we have a story to tell about the grace of God and how he has brought us to our right minds and to the fullness of life we were created to live. It may be ordinary time in the church calendar, but we have an extraordinary God who loves us and wants to heal us. Here in the Eindhoven area, our colleagues, our friends, our neighbors, yes, even my husband, I told you this message was what God spoke to me, they all need to see what happens when the grace of God touches our broken and wounded lives and brings us back to wholeness and being in our right minds, like the man in the gospel story. And then we can do what Jesus told the man to do. Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So let's let God in. Let's allow ourselves to be healed. Let's let God highlight the areas of our lives where we need healing, where we need deliverance, or where we just need to get serious about repenting of our sin. We're going to take a moment. We're just, I'm just want to let God minister to each of us in this place of silence. And then we have a prayer to pray. And then I will let Macho and the music team come and to continue, we'll just continue to allowing God to minister us and then we will switch, then we will move on to the affirmation of faith. So I'm switching some things around here, but I just trust in God. So let's just, I'll stop talking. <laughs>